This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The Minutia Men Celebrity Interview is up next, but first... Take a listen to this other fine OPI show. I'm Steve Baskerville. I'm Howard Sudbury. I'm going to show you my doodle. Can you see my doodle from where you are? You know who else would? Walter Jacobson would doodle. And his doodle one day was close to my doodle. (laughs) uh, So you've seen his doodle. Sure. Uh, He's seen your doodle. He's seen my doodle more than one day. Back to you with Howard Sudbury. And Steve Baskerville. Back to you, an OPI show only on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place, radiomisfits.com. The following is a Tony Lozano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview with Rick Kempfer and Dave Stern. The following is a Tony Lozano podcast, an OPI show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview with Rick and Dave. Well, Dave, we're very excited uh, to bring in a very special guest here. We have Dr. Ian Smith joining us our listeners probably know him from television he's uh, he was on the vh1 show celebrity fit club he was a correspondent for nbc news uh, frequently he's on the view so yes he's a medical doctor graduate i'm gonna i'm setting you up here for a whole big uh, intro here okay doc <laughs> he graduated okay. from harvard columbia and dartmouth he's super fit he can bounce a quarter off his six-pack abs. He's famous. He's good-looking. And none of these things bother us. We're happy for you. The thing that does bother us, though, is we're basically writers, Dave and I, and between the two of us, we've written 12 books. But I see here you've written 15. Yeah, you're just piling on here. And now, eight Doc. of them were bestsellers. You're, like, rubbing it in our faces. <laughs> Well, I'm going to write another one over the next four weeks now that I'm in hibernation. <laughs> yeah. well, right, okay, well, good. Just keep on doing it. What, what, do yeah. what you do. Yeah, exactly. So have you ever tried to bounce a quarter off your six-pack abs? Or do you Do you really uh, do you have six-pack abs? I, is that a... Uh, well, I've it? seen him. He looks, he looks pretty fit. I'm in shape. I'm in good shape. I'll just say I'm in good shape. I feel good. I feel strong. I, uh, I've been working out, not going to gyms, obviously, during this... Yeah during this situation but working out in the basement and um i'm very active i play a lot of sports uh and i like to stay active i just love being active so for me it's not like work or chore it's just natural but one of the things i want to tell people that this is a great time as we kind of shelter in place somewhat this is a great time for people to really work on themselves Mm -hmm. to work on things that they projects they haven't worked on in a long time don't look at this like people should take the approach that rather than missing out on something that this is like a time that all of us collectively as a country have to ourselves and our families to really start doing some things that we haven't had time to do. Because this is going to go, this is gonna, we're going to get through this, and they're going to be back to business as normal, and then people are going to say, I don't have time to do this, I can't do this, I can't. Now's the time to do it. Uh, let me, I'm going to give you my... <laughs> His th- cup is half full. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give you my cell number, or the cell numbers to my three teenage daughters. <laughs> Can you just please tell, tell them that? They are... Uh, they are uh, up going up the wall right now. Uh, they, uh, you know, Rick and I were, were uh, products of immigrants from Germany that had to literally live in bomb shelters for in the entire war. Yeah. Yeah. And my kids are, are, are complaining about staying on the couch. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's all about perspective, I think. And I think that, you know, first of all, you know, I think that people need to take this situation seriously. It's a serious situation. 
Uh, but people shouldn't panic. There's, there's not a reason to panic. We're going to get through this fine if everyone is rational and selfless and follows guidelines. We've got to have everyone work together on this. Mm-hmm. This is not a time to be independent and, you know, it's my freedom to do what I want to do. This isn't one of those times. This is a time to say we have to be collective. So how you behave impacts me and my family, and they impact someone else's family. Right. Because think about it. If you're someone who's infected and you're being very whimsical and not really following guidelines, yeah. you stand to infect other people. They bring that home to their family. They bring it to a grandparent, and now the grandparent's in the right. ICU. I mean, this is – I'm not trying to make you panic, but this is the truth of the matter, and people have to be honest. We're not – people need to be more honest about the situation. It's not that, you know, the country's going to be wiped out, the world's going to – this is not the end of the world. Uh, right. It's not like the plagues in the past, but this is a very contagious virus, very contagious, and we don't know a lot about it, and so we have to really be smart. Well, uh, I don't know if you've been to a grocery store lately – um, I've been out a couple of times and it's like a, uh, it's like, you know, a, a free for all. It's unbelievable. If you could do one thing for us that would really, would really appreciate. Can you please let everyone know that this is not a toilet paper emergency? <laughs> it's, I don't, you know, pe- someone asked me earlier today, what is going on with people's minds? I can't explain it other than this. I think that people are panicking because unfortunately when this first started, Everyone, not everyone, a lot of people of significance kept calling it a hoax. And so they're like, it's a hoax, it's made up, it's not a big deal. And then they changed their tune because the facts are the facts. And I think that is what's causing panic in people because here they, everyone was kind of like, oh, it's just like a cold, it'll go away. And then they're like, oh my goodness, they're saying this is a real deal, we're going to shut stuff down. Now people are panicking. But that being said, there's no need to do that. In fact, by panicking and buying up all these supplies over buying them you're actually hurting the supply chain and so people who really need this stuff they're not going to be able to get it and so people have to be judicious like you know it's not like well let me buy 15,000 rolls of toilet paper just in case no 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 you're fine with you know two packs of toilet paper is enough to put in your house they're going to make more yeah. it's not they're not going to run out i mean retailers and manufacturers are having a bonanza now to be honest with you but but people have to be smart about it you know, uh, you, you made a good point. And as we're self-quarantining, what happens if somebody in your house gets the virus? I mean, what what do you do with the other members in the house? Because there's a lot of people that don't have an extra room even that someone can just kind of hang out in. So can you give some tips or, you know, what to do when, a, God forbid, a family member does get the virus? This is a great question, and no one's really addressing that, so I'm glad you asked that question. First of all, in the ideal world, you would have someone basically in pretty much mostly isolation. So that person would be able to go to a room, a bedroom or a study or whatever, go to a room by themselves most of the time, and when they leave the room, go to the bathroom or go to the kitchen, that they make sure that the others are not in the space, that they're wiping down the surfaces after they've touched things. I mean, this is wearing a mask. If you're living with other people who are not positive for the virus, these are the things you have to do. Obviously, you're going to have to interact with other people. Not everyone has a large apartment or a large house where they can kind of self-quarantine in isolation. So people just have to be smart. You have to constantly wipe down surfaces with disinfectant. But the person who's infected really has to be a, do a good job of really trying to stay to themselves. I mean, you know, and, and I'm, I'm being honest, you know, you watch streaming uh, television, watch movies, read books. I mean, keep yourself occupied. But 
we, you really have to try to limit your exposure to those in your house because what happens is they become positive, and if they become positive, the whole health, the whole house is positive. No one's able to really go outside. It can be a really kind of tough and inconvenient situation. So, you know, practicing good measures, hygienic measures, is what's going to be key to stopping the spread within the house. Also, so. Um... I, you know, I've been watching a lot of reports about this, as has, you know, everybody else. And, and I was watching one the other night, and a, a local reporter was outside of a Menards uh, reporting, and somebody came up behind them and started screaming and calling them the scum of the earth for creating a panic and stuff like this. Um, you know, you kind of addressed this earlier, but the media... They may have gone overboard a little bit, but aren't they really supplying us with important information? I mean, shouldn't we, uh, you know, encourage them to tell us what's happening out there? Yeah, and this is the difficult balancing act of the media, right? So the media has to be able to tell us what is happening in real time, because this is a national emergency, so we need to know what's happening in real time. But at the same time, the way they do it, they have to do it in a way that is not piling on. You know, you can't, you know, all these headlines and sensationalism, don't sensationalize it. You know, headlines and all these fancy graphics that make it look like the world's coming to an end. I mean, I think that the media can back off a little bit on that. But we want the media, the good journalists, to tell us what's happening. By all means, we didn't get the truth in the beginning. And I'm just, right. I'm not being critical, I'm just being honest. We didn't get the truth about the potential severity of this in the beginning. And people were hiding things, hiding numbers, hiding all this information. You can't hide information at times like this. We need to know. We need to know where are the tests? How do we get the test? How long do we get the? How long um, is the test valid for? All these kind of questions. The media has to report for us because, unfortunately, we're getting a lot of conflicting uh, information from the government, whether it's federal, state, or city. So, yeah, we need the media out there to be the eyes and ears of the people. Have, have you heard anything uh, watching reports uh, or just uh, in the ether that is incorrect information that people should ignore? Well, people are saying things like ibuprofen will prevent it from happening, yeah. that people who are have melanin in their skin, African-Americans or Hispanics, that they can't get it, that water will flush it out. All this stuff is nonsense. And it's very damaging. I mean, people who are not health experts or don't understand the science, honestly, the best thing you can do is just not say anything. Don't, don't pass and forward text messages and Facebook videos and Facebook proclamations that you don't know. Don't do that. That makes it worse because then people believe it, like everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people believe this was a hoax, and look where we are now. Had we addressed this earlier, had we said, wow, look at China look at Italy, look at South Korea, we need to be proactive now. This is a real thing, and it's going to come here. Had we had that approach, it'd be a much different yeah. uh, landscape here in the U.S. Hey, yeah, I mean, using logic, you know, these countries are not shutting down to make our president look bad. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. This was, yeah, I can't believe how we got Italy to play along. Was yeah. that not it? <laughs> well, that's what, guys, that's what I was saying. Like, okay, <laughs> let's, say, let's say you don't even understand the science. A country, Italy, Italy is not a third world country, one of the biggest as far as import of the importance countries in the world shuts down. Isn't that saying something yeah, to you? I you mean, would think so. <laughs> yes. It's, it's just amazing. Um, it's just amazing. But, but anyway, I hope people 
I'm hoping that people's behaviors, and they are, that they're changing and lining up to go into bars and stuff like that. No, yeah. no. I know, I know. You know. Wait. Yeah, Netflix, man. Uh, you know what? <laughs> you, you can get Outbreak. You, you can download Outbreak or the Andromeda Strain, and you'll, you'll, you'll have fun. All right, we have to take a break, but Minutia Men will be right back. Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, it's those weird ideas that actually were made into cars, plus more car models you won't see in 2020. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Costable for these stories and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. On this week's Minutia Men with Rick and Dave. Lick a toilet bowl and go to the hospital. Who knew? Morgan Freeman talks about toilet paper. Strippers now deliver. My brush with Bobby Sherman. And our interview with the greatest Melania Trump impersonator the world has ever known. All that in unlimited tangents on this week's Minutia Men. <laughs> the Tony Lasano podcast and Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Radio Misfits. And we're back. Hey, how did how is this different from H one N one or other, yeah, you know, pandemics, flus, pandemics and flus? Uh, it seems that this well, is far more easy to to transmit, correct? And it's the mortality rate is considerably higher. Yeah, as well. I mean they're still working on this, but I think that this is probably transmitted more easily. Number one, because of the way it's transmitted. Number two, we knew nothing about it. These other illnesses, we kind of had an idea. We had a blueprint of what to follow. We have nothing with this because we've never seen it before. It's a zoonotic, which means it starts in animals, it goes to humans. So completely taken off guard, and, th- and that's what makes this difficult. Um, we're going to learn about the mortality rate. No one can predict the mortality rate. Now, let me explain to you why. This is very important. And on my Instagram, I go through the numbers. When you look at mortality rate, you look at how many cases and how many deaths. So the deaths is at the top of the line, the numerator, above in the fraction. The bottom of the fraction is how many cases. So you say, how many deaths out of how many cases? The problem is we don't have a realistic view of what the bottom number is, the denominator, because we don't know how many cases yet. The testing hasn't been available to most people. We're now just getting tests online for people, on board for people to take, and now that number is going to start being real. We're going to have big, big numbers coming out of people who are positive, and then we can start understanding mortality rate. But it's way too early to say that this is more deadly than the flu or not more deadly than the flu. Everyone hold off on that. Everyone wants to make that comparison. Let's hold off until we have real numbers, and we're not going to have those numbers for several weeks. That's just the truth of the matter. Right. So it's hard to make predictions. Uh, Obviously, uh, businesses are trying to figure out how long they need to stay closed, how long we need to be quarantined, that sort of thing. Um, Basically, what you're telling us is we don't know. We don't know. I mean, it's at least it's at least two to three weeks, and, and 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 if everyone does what they're supposed to do together, not some guys who are off on their own doing their own thing. If everyone does it together, then that curve that they keep showing on TV, that curve is going to be flat and not a peaked curve, and that's what we want. If we can keep that curve flat, then we can get back to doing things and getting back to business as usual. But we got to spend at least ten to twelve, fourteen days now. Yeah of everyone hunkering down. You understand what I'm saying? Like if we can, if everyone can hold out and do it right, we can stop this transmission and then we can kind of get a hold of it. But you know, it's based on, it's based on your neighbor, by the way, if your neighbor's going to do good things, if your boss is going to be smart and say to people, listen, you can work from home. Like unless you're essential work from home. 
if everyone collectively does that, then we're going to have a good shot at this thing. You know, and you can you can sit home, read a book such as your new book, Mind Over Weight, Curb Cravings. Find. Do you see that? That was a good segue. That's Did you see that segue there? Right there. Uh, Mind Over Weight, Curb Cravings, Find Motivation, and Hit Your Number in Seven Simple Steps. Why don't we talk a little bit about your book? Well, I wrote this book. This is a book I've been wanting to write for a long time because for years I've talked about how people mostly are unsuccessful on weight loss plans not because the plan isn't good, not because their trainer isn't good or they don't know how to exercise, but their mind is not in the right space. If you're trying to lose weight, in all honesty, you have to start with getting your head in the right space. And the people who are most successful have done that. And so Mind Over Weight is all about your head. Simple strategies to find your motivation, to keep your motivation. How do you crush and curb cravings? How do you fix your relationship to food? How do you choose the right plan for you? Not every plan, and I've written several plans, but all of my plans are not right for everybody. So these are the things that the book helps you with, how to set goals. People don't know how to set goals, by the way. Oh, I want to lose 30 pounds in two months. That's not a realistic goal for most people. So Mind Over Weight is all about getting, giving people the information they need to be able to be successful on any diet plan that they choose. You know what I like? Uh, I was just looking over it uh, today. And for me, it's the cravings, right? You know, everyone talks about, you know, being on the diet and you know I do a good job of my meal time and everything is right and then I'll have a moment where oh, I really need a cookie right now or something and you have uh, given a list of alternate uh, things for when you have a sugar craving or when you have a salt craving can you talk a little bit about that because I think that's really helpful yeah chapter four is about crushing the cravings and let me first say that there's a difference between hunger and cravings hunger is a physiological need of your body saying, I need to be nourished, I need calories, I need nutrients. Cravings is not. Cravings is a chemical situation where your brain sees a food, thinks about a food, smells a food, releases dopamine, which is a pleasure chemical in your brain, a neurotransmitter, and when your brain does that, you want the food. You have a craving to satisfy that feeling. And so the beauty of, of cravings while they can be extremely annoying and driving you, cravings are transient. You can actually outlast cravings. That's the key. Hunger you can't outlast. I mean, think about like your car. If your car needs oil and the oil light comes on, that oil light's not coming off. I don't care how many times you start the car and turn it off and start it again. The oil light's going to come on because it needs to be satisfied. But cravings are different. Cravings are like when you get into a car on your phone and it says, do you want to connect the Bluetooth? And you don't answer it. Well, eventually that prompt on your dashboard goes away, by the way, on its own. You don't have to take it away. It goes away. That's what a craving is. And so in Chapter 4, I talk about, you know, understanding what is a craving and some of the simple things you can do to avoid cravings. But uh, on page 121, I talk about things like, you know, if you have a sugar or sweet craving. You know, dark chocolate is great. Gum is great. Sweet potatoes, broccoli, carrots, frozen chocolate bananas, which are awesome, by the way. Uh, baked apples stuffed with nuts or oats. These are so I give uh, readers different things they can try to based on their on their craving. If it's salty, trying things like turkey jerky, seaweed snacks, uh, dill pickles are great. Uh, mozzarella cheese sticks and olive oils and, and olives. I mean, so these are some of the tips in the book. Uh, you didn't mention beer. I assume you just <laughs> forgot, right? <laughs> I'm not against beer, by the way. I, I like I like I like low calorie beer in moderation. By the way, uh, wine's better for you, but you know, you can have beer. I mean, the question is, people have to understand that calories are calories. Yeah. And people tend to think that liquid calories don't count. 
they count just as much as food calories. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We need to work on that because that's really a problem for me. (laughs) (laughs) We can figure out some way to get past that. I would really appreciate that. And you, uh, in Chicago, you've probably had a deep dish pizza or two. You know, they're all over the place. Uh, You know, you can't walk five steps without getting a deep dish pizza. Hey, um, you have met virtually everybody famous on earth, right? I mean, you've you've dealt with a lot of people. You've met with Oprah and Obama and all sorts. Is there has there ever been a moment where you were a bit starstruck that you you know fumbled a little bit or just were really in awe of the person that you that you were uh, talking to? You know, it's interesting you ask that question. I mean, I have met a lot of famous people, I guess, but my whole life, you know, I grew up in a blue collar working class family, and I idolized you know my grandfather, my mother, mm-hmm. so I didn't idolize celebrities per se like most people do. I mean, I liked them and thought it'd be cool to meet these people, so it didn't have the kind of effect on me that it may have someone who says, Oh, I can't wait. Like the screaming and the crying and the trembling. I just, it's just not me. And I'm not, not saying that I'm cool. It's just, that's just not who I am. But I will say when I think of great moments, like in my career, I think about, um, meeting Larry King back in the day and Larry mm-hmm. King interviewing me. I mean, I, that was phenomenal that Larry King is like talking to me. I'm sitting, Hello. you know, you know, at the table, uh, when Tom Brokaw from NBC News, when I was covering 9-11, when Tom Brokaw threw to me in the field wow. and said, joining us is Dr. Ian Smith, and to hear you know, his very gravelly, famous voice say my name and I'm on nightly news, those are moments I'm like, wow, that was, that's amazing. Uh, President Obama, you know, meeting him you know, in the Roosevelt Room um, for a meeting for the President's Council on Fitness, Sports, and Nutrition, and him coming in. Yeah, I mean, those are moments that I think that, you know, they make a big difference. But uh, I wasn't starstruck. I just felt like, wow, this is pretty cool. How does you know? Do- and I just always be yourself. I'm always myself. Like, whether I'm with someone who's sweeping the floors at my kid's school or, you know, with Oprah, it doesn't matter. I am who I am. For good or for bad, I'm just, I just am who I am. My grandfather taught me that. You know, uh, you mentioned Larry King. I have a Larry King story that I think you will appreciate. We had Larry King on a radio show that I was part of, and uh, he got there a little late, and I had to run to the front door to get him to bring him into the studio. He handed me his overcoat, and he said, cream, no sugar. (laughs) (laughs) So apparently I look like, uh, you know, I don't know, a coffee boy or something, but uh, that was my experience with Larry King. Uh, hey, that's funny. Actually, uh, um, are you in Chicago right now? Are you? Uh, are you? Where are you right now? Are you in Chicago? I'm in Chicago. Yeah, I'm uh, in Chicago. Yeah, it's. Uh, I went to the. I just voted a few minutes before the show. There is nobody out right now in Chicago. Oh my I, goodness! It's a ghost town. I went last night to get something. I was telling my wife the streets are deserted. By the way, which is good. It's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel bad. You know, businesses are, are hurting, but we're all going to hurt equally. But. Uh, and I was saying to her, the chairs, all the restaurants have the chairs on the table, which yeah. is right. So people can go in and get takeout or do curbside, but they're not letting people sit down. But it really is a weird kind of eerie feeling, isn't it? It no, is. It's, it really, it although is. traffic was great coming here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that is half full. Hey, how can uh, people get your book? Uh, it's, it's, I know it's not out yet, but it uh, can be pre-ordered yeah. via Amazon or tell t- everybody. Yeah, you can pre-order on Amazon.com, Walmart, uh, Target, BarnesandNoble.com. It comes out April 7th, but pre-order it now and get it right away. Also, before I go, I want to say that in September, I mean, I'll talk to you then. I have a, sure. a mystery. I write mysteries, too, by the way, and I have a mystery series I just started. It's based in Chicago. It's a Chicago PI who only 
takes on cases, select cases in and around Chicago. So uh, it's called The Unspoken. That's the first book. It's on Amazon.com. You can read up on it. Uh, comes out September 15th. But it's really cool. It's about a, a lot of mysteries here in Chicago, and I think that you guys would like it. Well, we, you know, we have a publishing company that we publish Chicago books. So after we get off the air, let's get your address, and we will send you a bunch. Because you're going to have some time over the gonna next three, four time. weeks. Uh, you know, we'll send <laughs> yeah. you, we'll send you a bunch of our Chicago books too. Are you a Cub fan or a Sox fan? This is this will. This is a very important question that may end badly, depending upon what you say here. Cub fan or Sox fan? Well. I have to be honest. Yeah. Socks. All right. Oh. <laughs> there you go. Oh, Does, we're a mixed marriage. Um, uh, <laughs> mixed marriage. Yeah. Doesn't this suck? I mean, we were on the cusp, right? Where I, I was just chomping at the bit for the baseball season to start, and I just saw something uh, this morning that it may not start until the middle of May. That's uh, what they're yeah uh, they're saying right it's now. It's gonna be well. But I had to be honest with you guys. I'm gonna tell you something. I was so happy when the Cubs won. I actually went to Wrigley. Late at night that night, I just wanted to be in the mix. I just wanted to see what it felt like. It was amazing. It was so amazing. Oh my goodness, I'll never forget that. It was, it was crazy. Okay, was you've crazy. redeemed yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I was self isolating. I was, I was self isolating in 2016. I didn't want to see anybody when the Cubs won. But 05, my friend, that was, uh, that, and hopefully we'll have one soon as well. But yeah, stay on the, stay on the line. Um, but thank you very much for coming on in. We, we, well, not we really, in, but really in. appreciate you being on the show. Thanks a lot. I enjoy it. Thanks for having me, guys. Well, that's it for this week's edition of the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. Special thanks to executive producer Tony Lasano with opishows.com. Opi is hippo backwards. O-P-P-I-H shows.com. Distributed by Ed Silla from the Radio Misfits. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. And we will be back again next week with another edition of the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The proceeding was a presentation of Opie Productions. Find our other great shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? On and Friends, we like to occasionally torture ourselves by trying something that we may or just may not like. Sometimes people like to bring things that they know we're not going to like. And sometimes they bring things that we might not like, but we actually do. All that and more on and Friends, an Opie show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com.